Oh, good morning. morning. You have to forgive me if I'm a little sweaty. Anytime I have to wear the microphone before I come up and they're singing worship songs, I'm deadly afraid they're going to turn the microphone on. (laughs) And while I know that God loves my voice, I don't think that you would. So it's it's always very relieving to get to this point and have not been broadcast my terrible singing. Uh, So good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe this many of you showed up. Um, especially because it was advertised that I was going to talk. And I know that because if you're ever curious if your sign works on a pilot knob, it does. Because the number of people that texted me this week going, what are you doing at Chapel Hill? <laughs> I'm like, how do you know I'm going to be at Chapel Hill? It's because I was on the, uh, the marquee. Wow. So you still showed up. Thank you very much. I will do my best uh, not to disappoint. Uh, good luck to Pastor Paul and his sabbatical. That sounds delightful. I hope he comes back restored and renewed. So uh, as you heard, I'm Jason with The Open Door. How many of you have heard of The Open Door? Oh, good. It's good to know your audience when you start. Uh, So I promise not to use my entire time to talk about The Open Door, but to talk about our work through the lens, hopefully, of the gospel. But if you aren't as familiar, if you only heard of us, uh, we feed people. Um, I'd like to start with a thank you to Chapel Hill. This congregation has been very supportive of our work. The Garden, and I know with Pastor Paul out, um, gosh, I forgot your name. What's your name? Jamie is taking over the garden and his, uh, and Baba. Yeah, it's a a lot of work gardening. It's a lot of work. So I appreciate you doing that. And I was here for a packing event that you've done, and I know you've done food drives, and I know a lot of individuals in this group support our work. Uh, But if you're not familiar, The Open Door, we are a hunger relief organization. We're based right here in Dakota County, in Egan, actually, right over on Ron Road. Uh, We're 13 years old. We were started uh, in a church with a bunch of do-goodery volunteers that were like, hey, there's no food in Egan. (laughs) There are people at Egan that need food. And so it started this little bitty closet, and uh, I'd kind of describe it like a bad field of dreams situation. Uh, They started it, and people came, and they haven't stopped yet. It started with Mount Calvary Lutheran Church, and then they asked Easter Lutheran Church, my home church, to join. And then they asked St. John Newman to join. And then it became like, this is is a lot. (laughs) We're running a church. A lot of people showing up, so they turned it into its own 501c3, and that's the open door. And we've been a 501c3 since 2009, and, uh, you know, again, what started as that little bitty closet in a church has now grown to be definitely the largest food shelf in Dakota County, but one of the largest in the state. Um, We built the whole organization around some really simple concepts, and those concepts are health, healthy food. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to change your diet. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but I bet most of you have. Most of you have probably not tried to change it worse. <laughs> you try to change it better. Um, there's such a relationship between what you eat and how you live, and there's such a relationship between income and health disparities, and so much of that is the food you can buy. And so since day one, uh, we've put a huge emphasis on making sure that folks in the community that come to us for support get fresh and healthy food. 70% of what we offer to clients is perishable. Fruits, vegetables, meat, dairy, etc. Um, we people get food from us in a variety of ways. Uh, over by the outlet mall, we have our come and get it food shelf. People that have a car, people that can borrow a car and come to us, they come in, they shop, they can take a shopping cart. It's like a little bitty grocery store. Um, we provide tremendous service in a great atmosphere. We always say we hope interacting with the open door is the best part of your day. But we quickly learned in our history that a lot of people couldn't get to us. 
because of transportation, uh, because they're seniors, they're in a senior living facility, uh, because they're children, they don't have cars. And so we developed a mobile food program. Uh, we now have the largest mobile food program in the state. On any given month, we take food to around 30 places in Dakota County. That could be a senior living facility, could be a neighborhood, could be an elementary school, um, could be a church parking lot. Uh, especially in Lakeville, we have three different churches that allow us to distribute food on premises. Um, so in simple ways, people that can get to us, great. But we also actively seek to find where folks are and take food there. Our, our goal is to make it easy for people to have access to fresh and healthy food. Now, in the summertime, uh, we have gardens, not just your generous giving garden here, but we have 12 gardens where over 300 families are able to grow their own food. And we have, not me, because I can't garden, but we have a staff person named Alpa, who is a wizard, um, and she can help people grow food. And our gardens last year produced 20,000, 25,000 pounds of food. And the great news for our gardens is that most of the folks that used our gardens didn't need to come to the food shelf during the growing season. So, you know, helping folks grow what they want, because we don't always have what they want. Um, during the summer, outside of gardens, uh, we expand to about 60 different places we take food. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever volunteered with the mobile lunchbox. Um, there's a huge need for food for students during the summer because they don't have access to school. And so we deliver meals five days a week, 26 different neighborhoods across four school districts. So that's 196, which I think is right here, uh, 191 in Burnsville, 194 in Lakeville, and 197 in West St. Paul. So, yeah, we do, uh, do a lot of feeding. And you help us do that. So I'm really, really appreciative. Um, so today... I want to honor this time as best I can, so I'm going to attempt to speak about theological things, but I want to be clear about what you're not going to get today. Um, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I did not go to seminary. Um, I am a person of faith. I am a believer in Jesus. I do read the Bible, and I'm sure I read it from a layperson's perspective. So you're not going to walk away today with some deep meaning of the Greek version of a story that started. You, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to leave with a lot of insight, but you are at least going to hear me attempt to talk about our work and my experience with that work through the lens of our faith. And a lot of times when I go to churches, they will tell me, we're going to read this this week, and I try to make it fit you did not do that. You made it more challenging. You're like, hey, talk about whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so <laughs> in trying to figure out, like, oh, my gosh, you know, so many scriptures, how do you pick one? It was suggested to me that an easy one, and that was not true, uh, would be Galatians 5. And so if you've read Galatians 5, I will read the part to you that I'm going to talk about. But it's, I mean, the, the takeaway message is it's the love your neighbors yourself. It's like, it couldn't get any easier than that. Well, we'll talk for the next 20 minutes about why that was not so easy. Um, but I will read to you from Galatians 5, uh, the New International Version. Feel free to get your Bible or your app out if you want to read along. Um, starting in verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by one another. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Thanks be to God. Wow. We feel like you could just end the whole sermon right there, right? In the second paragraph. <laughs> the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, not being a pastor, I have kids. I have an 8 and 10 year old, two boys. Eli and Noah, and we talk about faith a lot. And my usual default answer when they ask me something really hard and I can't answer it is to talk about, well, you know, it's a mystery. So much of, of God and his teachings, he tries to teach us, but it's really complicated. I don't really get to use that in this because it's, it's not a mystery. God, Paul really boils it down very simply. And I went back and read the whole book of Galatians, and I don't know if you've done that, but um, <laughs> when I read Galatians, it read like an angry letter, <laughs> from a parent to your children. It's like, ah, I was there. Remember, Paul, I came, we talked. I kept it pretty simple. It's this. Quit talking about circumcision. Quit, uh, how do you keep getting, how do you keep getting it twisted? But, you know, in, when I think back about the whole story of the Bible, I feel like that's kind of the whole thing, right? He started off with, you know, here's the tree, here's the fruit, don't do that. Oh, you did that, all right. Here's, here's some more commandments. Uh, I can't, all right. I'll send my kid, he'll come down and hold your hand for 33 years and give you examples and stories, and then he will die, and he'll come back to life, and you'll be like, oh, I get it, and yeah, we didn't get it. And then he sends Paul, yeah, we just, we keep not getting it, right? And what's the truth of that? Spirit and flesh are in conflict. You know, it's, I, I, I use a saying a lot that, you know, you, you say yes to one thing, you say no to another, and I think what he's trying to tell us in this is that you can't do both. If you're going to give in to the flesh, you can't give in to the spirit. So you kind of pick. And, I, you know, we probably bounce back and forth. Such a simple message. Why is it so hard? Because just because something is simple in design does not mean that it is easy in execution. I, you know, try to think of, like, life analogies. I think about um, weight loss, something I've always worked on. I mean, losing weight's really simple. It's math. <laughs> If you burn more calories than you consume, your weight goes down. End of story. 
then why are there a billion advertisements for pills and gyms and spiritual experiences and engineered brownies that are actually broccoli? And it's like it, I mean, <laughs> it's really simple, but we try to really protect ourselves. Like, oh, no, no, really, there's a shortcut or really, there, yeah, there's not. It really, it really is simple. When I think about this spirit and flesh battle, the part I want to focus on today when I think about the work of the open door is not explicitly stated judgment and empathy, but I feel like those two things are in conflict often, and I see that a lot in our work. And I want to start with why I chose to work for the open door. I was not job seeking. I had a really good job. I loved it. I volunteered for the open door for a long time, and the open door is a little different in the way that we do work. One, we just do food. Um, a lot of food shelves, you know, do it different way, and they have a closed closet, or they have different programs. We focus just on food because there's such a need we can't meet. I mean, on an average month, geez, right now, last month I think we provided food to about 18,000 people right here in Dakota County. Um, that's, that's a lot of people. We couldn't give them anything else but food. And we know there's more people that we couldn't get to. But we also make it really easy for folks to get food. And so in my personal life, not to get too behind the curtain, and I know you're not my therapist, but, um, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in a household that didn't have enough food. I think I was five the first time I got suspicious of my mom when I asked her why she wasn't eating, and she said she wasn't hungry. <laughs> If you've got any five-year-olds, you know that's truth becomes a real big thing about that age. And I figured, you know what? I don't think she's telling me the truth. And she wasn't. She wasn't. And my mother, um, rest her soul, delightful, generous, kind, loving human being, would give anyone the shirt off her back. She was also just deeply stubborn and prideful. And we never went to a food shelf in, in my childhood. And I, she didn't even sign me up for free lunch. Um, she should have, but she did not. She was just deeply afraid of someone knowing that we needed help. I mean, raise your hand if you like asking for help. Yeah. Oh, two people. That's the first time I've seen hands go up. Three. If you're on video, I don't know who's watching the video feed, there were like three hands. There's a lot of people here. It's hard to ask for help, isn't it? It is really challenging to ask for help. And when I first started with the open door... You know, I love that idea, like, hey, you come in, you show up at the open door, you say you need food, get food. It's pretty simple. I was in a meeting with some other hunger relief organizations, and there was a, a longtime director, I won't name the organization, we'll just call him Greg. And I could just sense Greg, a lot of, a lot of animosity in Greg's comments towards me and towards the open door, and I asked him, I'm, again, to be clear, I'm from Alabama, I'm not from Minnesota, so I'm learning to be passive, but by default, I'm pretty direct and aggressive. And so I asked him, like, Greg, what's the deal? Why, what don't you like about what we do? He goes, you want to know, Jason? I go, yeah. I, you're going to tell me. It's awesome. He goes, you're an enabler. Your whole organization's an enabler. I'm like, what are we enabling people to do? How? He goes, you don't make people go through a process. You don't make them show you your budget. You don't, you know, there's all these steps. I said, man, and that's a pretty common practice. And I'm not knocking it. I was like, Greg, 
What are we enabling people to do? We're enabling people to get food. I get questions from donors similar, like, how do you know they need it? How do you know everyone that comes to you needs it? And the truth is, I don't. We take people at their word. But again, we're not handing out cash. As I told Greg, I'm like, you know what? Let me flip it around on you. What could someone write on their application? And you would say, yeah, you don't deserve food. I've been to prison. Not like in prison. I visited prison. <laughs> That's good. That clip's going to make the internet. Um, I have visited prison. I've had relatives in prison. Um, and in prison, you have a pretty clear record of people that have made some bad life choices. Even they get food. So why make it hard? And we don't. And so I love that about the open door. But that's on those good days, right? You think about it's easy to love. It's easy to have empathy. It's also really fun to judge, isn't it? <laughs> who likes judgment? I mean, honestly, who judges? I mean, I judge all the time. It's so fun. It's, man, I mean, everything from outfits to life choices to parenting choices, I mean... It, judging is it's just easy, isn't it? And it's intoxicating. And what we see in our work, I mean, so Metcalf, for example, the pandemic was really transformative. I mean, you probably heard there was a pandemic. Uh, it may or may not have impacted your life. Um, it definitely impacted our organization. We're feeding double, sometimes triple, the number of folks. And so one of the ways we did that, we have this big, giant drive-through food distribution every Tuesday at Metcalf Middle School over on uh, Diffley. And Still, almost two years in, we have four to 500 households that come through that site every week. And, you know, one of the interesting things is people line up early, even though we try to get them not to. We, we've never run out of food, but they still, you know, you want to get there early. But you see everybody's car, right? They're just lined up. You can see all the cars. <laughs> you can go, wow, look at, wow, look at that car. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> There's a Lexus out there. <laughs> There's an Acura out there. Like, whoa, what are, you know. And it's, it's one of those moments where you think about the spirit and the flesh. and where You, you get that moment where you have to decide, how are you going to interpret these things? And we, man, there's so many stories we love to tell ourselves about other people. How much do we actually know about other people and about how they ended up there? I, someone did say, yeah, I drove by there. I did. I saw a Lexus the other day. And actually, I'd spoken to someone in a Lexus. may not have been the gentleman that they saw. But I chatted with this guy. And I'm like, you know, hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. I know you're probably thinking, what's up with my car? <laughs> I was like, dude, I, I don't care. He's like, I had to borrow this car from my neighbor because, you know, it takes two bus transfers to get over here. And by the time I get home, I'm like, hey, it's, it's cool. I mean, he was ashamed. He drove a Lexus. He borrowed it from a friend. I've talked to people that bought their car six months before they lost their job. <laughs> and like, if I trade it in, I'm upside down. I can't afford another car. I got to just hold on and make it work. And again, I mean, we don't need to turn this into a referendum on poverty. We don't need to turn it into, you know, is anyone cheating the system? Human beings take advantage of systems. They do. Our job at the open door is to give and to make food available, to be thoughtful about where we do it. But when I think about you, like, you know, it's, it's easy to think of the spirit, to 
love and generosity and kindness when you're at church. It's easy to think of the Spirit when you're going and making a donation at the open door. It's like it's easy in dieting to make, you know, it's easy for me to eat salad when I'm in a good mood. <laughs> it's really hard for me to make a good choice when I'm stressed out and I drive past Raising Cane's. <laughs> Assuming there's no line. Um, <laughs> but the app helps, I'm just saying. Um, It is hard. There is something innate in us that we struggle with that spirit and flesh. When I think about why is it so hard not to be judgy? Why is it so hard not to wonder and worry, hey, somebody's going to get something they don't deserve? But it comes to me back to the concept of grace. It comes back to really the central tenet of our faith, which I have honestly struggled with. I came to faith in my 20s. This idea, we like rules. <laughs> we like the law. Paul was here. He said Jesus loves us. Everyone can get in. It's up to him. You know. No, but he really meant that we should be circumcised. I know he didn't say that, but that's really, no, it's, that's, it's not that simple. We struggle, or at least I struggle, with the idea of God's grace. It is really hard to think that we get something that we don't feel like we deserve. Have you ever felt like you don't deserve God's grace? I do. Oh, my gosh. I, I think about him just, you know, hitting his head a lot when he looks at me and my choices in my life. And so I think, you know, my, my degree in college was in psychology, and we talked a lot about this concept of projection, where you project on others. And I feel like in, it's easy to judge, and it's easy to project our feelings of inadequacy onto other people. And it's like, it just makes us feel better. Like, I, I would feel so much better about heaven if I felt like I could give God, like, a CV, a resume with all my checks marked. Like, hey, look what I did this. I went to church and I gave it to the open door. And it, and it just, it, it doesn't work that way. And in our choices, think about that spirit and love. And how does that impact you? You know, a lot of it comes down to your words, and so there's something I want you to think about as you leave here. Your words, and not just in your conversations, you know, your words in your posts, your words in your comments, online, after an article, with your friends. I will tell you that at Metcap, we did a big study, this drive-through food distribution, on top of everything else we do. Who is coming to that distribution? For four weeks, we studied that group. You know what we learned? We learned... Most, 80, 82% of the folks that come to Metcalf live in a single-family home. They are or were recently employed. They do not receive benefits, SNAP, free and reduced lunch, WIC, etc. Now, is that because they don't know about them? Is that because they don't qualify? I'm betting it's because they don't qualify. 50,000 people have come to the open door for the first time in the last two years. 50,000 people in Dakota County and a little bit outside. What that tells me is you probably know someone that's come. Maybe some of you have come, and if so, I'm glad that you did. But this concept of making it hard for people to ask for help, when you judge and shame with your words, Man, those people are really getting over. Or, man, they really don't need it. 
Are those words of the Spirit? Are those words of the flesh? And it doesn't, it's not just about food and about getting help. I mean, you think about you know, reading about this church and your mission of, you know, from culture to kingdom and trying to, to welcome people in. Our approach of making help easy to get. Now, I want to be clear. Food is not salvation. We do not hand out salvation every day. We hand out food. It's a basic need. But food is help, and help is love. We hand out love every day. The easier we make it, the more people come. People drive past other food shelves to come to the open door because we make it easy and we don't shame them. Make sure that in your life, you make it easy for people to get help, to get love, to be accepted, understood. It's the only way we're going to welcome people into the world of God, into Jesus, into that struggling, welcome them into the struggle of like grace is really challenging. I really wish there was a checklist. That battle of spirit and flesh in judgment and empathy Find a way to give the benefit of the doubt. If you can, find compassion. You can't have both. It's a very simple task. I'll read it again in case we missed Paul's message. It's not about circumcision. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't bite and devour. Don't tear folks down, especially if they need help. I will tell you from experience that it works. Thank you for giving up this time this morning. Thank you for showing up to listen to me. Thank you for your support of The Open Door. Um, I'll close in prayer. But yeah, I just want to say thank you again. I'm so grateful for this church and all the ways that you've helped make our community a better place. Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for Chapel Hill Church. Thank you for Pastor Paul. Thank you for the work that's being done, not only as a congregation, but in the hearts and minds of each of us. Help us to hear the simplicity, yet the difficulty of the commands that you give us. Help us to lean in to the struggle between the spirit and the flesh. Help us never cease asking for your help and your forgiveness to treat one another as you wish that we did. In your name, amen. Thank you.